0: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church McKinney. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here and we are thrilled that you joined us. Uh, We know, as Katie said earlier in the service, each and every week it's someone's first time. And so if this is your first time and I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you again for joining us. This morning, well, we're going into a little two-part series called "Engage," and we're going to look at some specific areas that we can engage on a greater level in our relationship with God. Now, "engage" was a word that I shared with you early on in the year. This is our word from Milestone Church as a whole. This is our word for the year is "engage," and I shared with you early on in January. I said if we'll engage with God in a way that we never have before, we'll experience God working in moving in our life in a way that we never have before. And so we're going to look at those things. You know, when I think about engagement and I think about some specific areas we can engage, I'm going to share some of those with you here in just a little bit. But some of you may have noticed coming in, uh, maybe you were dropping kiddos off in the uh, kids area, maybe in here, normally you're People who love to sit up in the balcony, and it was closed off. We're doing some uh, remodeling. We're engaging in some uh, remodeling here at our campus. We're going to be painting things and changing flooring and all sorts of stuff, and 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 so there's going to be a lot going on. So. Pardon our progress, right? You know, those signs that you'll see along the way. It's like, why are there cables hanging from there? Everything's safe. You know, why is there a hole there? Why? that? Because we're, we're, we're making some updates. And, and I started thinking about that. I thought, this seemed like a really good idea because we have Easter coming up, right? And so you want to get these things done and in place for Easter. And, and I thought about it. It's kind of like when you're hosting Thanksgiving or Christmas at your house for the first time for all your family. And just before leading into that season, you think, you know what? Now would be a great idea to do all that remodeling we wanted to do for everyone that's coming just before they get here, which seems like a really good idea. Right until you're in the middle of it, and you're like, Lord, please help us. I pray that we get through this alive and it gets done. You know, it will get done. It's amazing. It's going to be phenomenal. We're doing it for you. We're doing it for those that are coming, and we're doing it just to continue to create a space where we can continue to reach people and build lives. But You may go, well, engagement, I'm not engaged in a remodel project, so that doesn't translate. What does engagement actually mean? Well, we talked about this, and and I shared with you that, that what we give our time and our energy to will dictate the quality of our life. In fact, when you look at what we choose to engage with, whatever level and at whatever level, that will determine the quality of how we live our life this year. How do you want to live your life? Where do you want to engage at a greater level this year? What are the things that you want to grow in and that you want to do? I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I want to look back at some scripture that I shared with you when I first presented this word for the year about engagement. You, You think about this, there's this tension with engagement. There's this tension because there's things that we want to engage with, there's areas that we want to grow in, there's things we want to do, but at what level? Jesus recognizes that. In fact, Jesus highlights this tension. And this is the context he puts it in. When you look in the book of Luke chapter 6 verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He's speaking at the Sermon on the Mount. It almost sounds a little corrective, but he's not necessarily being corrective. He's giving you context. James does the same thing when James says this in James chapter one verse twenty-two. It says, "Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." It comes down to listen. You can hear it. It can be a great idea. It can be a good theory. But are you doing what it says? Or are you living it out? The word engagement means this. To begin and carry on an activity. To pledge oneself. To give attention to something. You see, when we begin to navigate this season, my prayer for you, my desire for you is that you would grow in a way that you never have before. I want you to win in this area of life. I want you to learn and understand what it looks like to engage at a greater level. I want you to be able to learn and experience what does that look like. And, and what we're going to do over the next two weeks is we're going to talk about two areas that I think oftentimes we feel underqualified for. We feel ill-equipped with. We feel like, do we really make a difference? And so this week I'm going to talk about what it looks like to engage in our spiritual growth. And then next week I'm going to talk about what it looks like to engage in our gifting. The way God wired us. The way He designed us and what that looks like. You see, engagement is key because when you're not engaged, here's what's going to happen by default. The minute you disengage, can I tell you what happens? You drift. You don't even have to try. You don't have to work hard. You're going to wake up one day and go, I was engaged at a certain level. Serving, being a part, attending service, being connected, being a part of a small group, whatever it is. Then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, man, I feel disconnected. I feel like I've drifted. What happened? Somewhere along the way, you disengaged. You may not have meant to disengage. You may not have been intentional about it. But what naturally happens is when we disengage, we're going to drift, and we don't even really have to try. But there's a better way. There's hope, because when we look at this aspect of our life and we recognize the significance and the importance of engaging, what, helps us, what it helps us do is it helps us navigate the gap between where we want to grow in our faith, the life that we're living, and then the life that we see that can be impacted by that faith. Yeah, you know, I was reminded of this kind of in a, in a you know, humorous yet real life way. And, and it's as I was thinking about this aspect this past week while I was with my kids uh, and we were camping. Now, maybe you're kind of outdoorsy people. I don't know if any of you in here are outdoorsy people. But, you know, when you think about camping, the idea of camping and then actually doing it is two different things if you've ever been camping. So so let me give you an example. There's levels of this. So maybe this is your flow. A little backcountry out in the back I like I like to backcountry I shared with you I like backcountry hiking my son Pastor retirement we'll go we'll get out lost in the woods you know 12 15 miles out in the backcountry, middle of nowhere nothing no one around it's like you just you just do it you know and you're just out there and you got to make it happen. I like that you're like yeah none of that is there is there a Starbucks around the corner there ain't none of that you know whatever you got you packed in and whatever you got done using you got to pack out okay well maybe that's not your flow maybe you're like I like I like outdoors and and I like camping and but I like a little rural camping but I want to be kind of close to the road maybe it's off the road so maybe you do a little bit of camping like this kind of off the beaten path you're building your own fire with rocks I mean that sounds like fun let's go gather rocks build a fire pit right here let's just make fire and just yeah we feel great you're like no less of that give me one of that state park feel Right. It's all clean and nice. And it looks a little like this. You got a little landscaped yard, a little picket fence, paved roads. You got a little gravel area. You know, you're like, I like that. I'm playing volleyball with my kids. This is great. You know, you got running water and electricity right around the corner somewhere. And, and you got you got the and then but maybe even this, you're like nah. That's, I'm not outdoorsy enough for that. That's, that's too outdoorsy, Pastor Chris. Not, uh, uh, I like, how about an RV? Like, I can just take my home with me. I got all the comforts at home. I got my satellite dish in there. I can watch the game. I got a TV outside. I got a TV inside. I got recliner. Look, I even got a bed for my dog. I mean, look, we got it going on. You're like, this is my level of outdoorsy. But for some of you, this still isn't enough. It's just not enough. This is your flow. I'm going to teach you a new word. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's called glamping. Not camping, glamping. I mean, you got to, yeah, I'm getting a lot of amens with the glamping feel here. We got, look, there's a mirror back here. There's a restroom back there, running water, heat. You got a fan. I mean, look, we got these. Where do they get these? A pottery barn. I don't know. Front gate. I don't know. You know, you got ice chest. You know, the truth is there's probably like a large building Right next to this, it's like the the amenity center. And you can go in and do your workout on the elliptical right there. You're like, I like that flow. That's about as outdoorsy as I'm going to get. I like the idea of being outdoorsy, camping. But then you realize it takes a little more work if you're actually going to do that. And here's the thing. Culture, society recognizes that. That's why there's all these variations. They're creating a flow for wherever you may land Within this context. You see the same is true when it comes to spiritual growth. We like the idea of spiritual growth. And what we want is all these different variances of what it can look like. But there's really only one way. Jesus talked about it. James talked about it. You're going to hear. And then you're going to do. There's not a level. Well can I, 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 I kind of kinda do it? Can I quasi do it? Can I, can I dip my toe in and do a little. You know I like the glamping. You know, a spiritual growth feel. I don't know about that backcountry spiritual growth, like out in the wood, like like some of that stuff I read in the Old Testament. Like I don't know, you know, I don't like. it. Like, do I? Can I just read the New Testament? Can I just stick there? No, no, no. What I want us to understand is that God has called you to grow spiritually. And us unpacking over the next few minutes, what does that actually look like? How do I do that? Because we like. The idea of it, but are we really actually willing to do something about it? You see, there's that opposing tension we all experience. I wanna lose weight, but yet I still wanna eat everything that I like to eat that really probably ain't good for me and helping me lose weight. I wanna be more disciplined and, and I wanna exercise, but I don't like getting up early. I don't like working out late in the afternoon. And I work nine to five, so there's no time in the middle of the day. Well, I mean, what, what you gonna do? I really want to grow and being engaged and active at church and serving and helping others. But man, look at my calendar. My life is so busy. There's so much going on. Whatever it is, you can break down the context in any area. The truth is this. What ends up happening is we like the idea of something, but when it comes to it, will we actually do it? There's a tension there. Now, how do we navigate that tension? What does that look like? Well, I think it's being able to go, I want to move from just living a life that's aspirational in all of these things, in my relationship with Christ, and I want to move to it being actual. I want to see these things begin to happen in my life, and and I want to grow in this way. Well, see, I think that right there is the genesis and the origin of this tension. Because you're going, Pastor Chris, why is this a big deal? Why do I need to engage in spiritual growth? Well, that's the very thing that I think we miss. You see, oftentimes we see and live our life from the context of thinking that we are human beings learning how to be spiritual beings. But in reality, that's not the case. You are a spiritual being learning and discovering what it looks like to be a human being in this world. God designed you as a spiritual being. So you're naturally already wired for a propensity to grow, first and foremost, spiritually. Yet we don't realize that. We put all the emphasis on growing externally. Growing as a better human, a better person in this world. When in reality, if you want that to really happen, grow spiritually. You focus on that first. You go, well, Pastor Chris, is that even real? Is that in the Bible? Well, Genesis 1. 26 it said that God said let us create man and woman in our image and in our likeness. Jesus references this in John when he speaks in John chapter 4 verse 24. He said God is a spirit. Well we're made in his image and likeness. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You do have a body. You do have a soul. But you are a spiritual being first. Paul he referred to this in 2nd Corinthians. When he said, when you're born again and you give your life to Christ, you are now a new creation. What's he talking about? He's talking about a spiritual transformation. You become a new creation. What is that? Well, that's what happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes spiritually dead people spiritually alive. That's what I experienced at 19 years old. When I was a criminal justice major at Texas State. Maybe you experienced that last week, last year, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. When or wherever it was, you went from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. You see, we are spiritual beings. And I think when we understand this, now we begin to prioritize this aspect of our life differently. Think about it. When you look at the prioritization of your life, Think about all the things that hit first in the list of priorities. But in there somewhere, because you want to grow in your relationship with God, or feel like you should, or know that you should, or had a moment or experience, and so you're excited about it, and so you really are energized by wanting to do that, it kind of is somewhere down a little lower on the priority list. When you realize you're a spiritual being, and when you grow in that, that will impact what it looks like for you to be a human being. Can I tell you what happens? That desire for spiritual growth will bump up the list of priorities. So so as we look at the words of Paul, Paul knew this tension. Paul Paul helps us with this perspective. And Paul, in fact, Paul was familiar with this tension personally. You see, Paul was a man that before... He had an encounter and experience with Jesus. He persecuted and killed Christians. In fact, as he navigated this aspect of growing spiritually and growing in his relationship with Christ, he actually said these words, and I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing and summarizing a a portion of Romans 7, where he says, why do I not do the things I want to do and the things that I want to do I can't seem to do? Why is that happening? You ever felt that way? I felt that way. All the things I want to do, I can't seem to do. And all the things I don't want to do, I seem to keep doing. What is going on? Paul related and understood that. Well, Paul, I think, gives us a picture in what it looks like, how we can engage in growing in a spiritual way. And looking at what it looks like to engage in spiritual growth when we look at his words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Now, he's writing to the church in Philippi. And he's talking to a group of people that could easily put their confidence in their accolades, their accomplishments. He uses the word flesh. What he's referring to is not their physical demeanor, their their physical prowess, or their their physical strength. He's really referring to their accomplishments, their abilities, the things that they've they've, uh, done and seen. And so this is the group of people that he's talking to. People that are focused on their status and 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 where they have come from and what their title is and what their work is. And and here's what he says. He, he actually relates to them and where they're at. And he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, he's saying, I'm like you, I get it. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he says, let me double down. I have more confidence than you do in my accolades, and my accomplishments, and my title, in the things that I've done and seen. He goes on in this section of Scripture, and he actually then in turn says, but in all those things, I count it as rubbish, as garbage in comparison. Verse 10, he says this, and we're going to look at it later on. He gives this idea, this thought, this concept. He says, I count it as rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. You see, all of this, this whole chapter is about knowing Jesus, knowing Christ, engaging in spiritual growth that is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. And then watch what he says in this section of Scripture, verses 12 through 16. I think he gives us a snapshot in what it looks like to really embrace how we engage with growing in Spirit, growing spiritually and, and developing spiritual growth. He says this, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Circle that. My own. I've got to own this. He says, I'm going to press on to own this aspect. Why? Because Christ Jesus Made me his own. He's tying back to verse 10, going, I want you to know. I want you to experience. I want you to see God in a different way. Now, he's not talking about this pressing on, it's an athletic term. Now just like being outdoorsy and camping and maybe you're you're like I'm into this flow press on I like this you know it's like you know athletic you're like no 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 I don't like press on nothing I don't I like press on nails but only if I have to ladies you know it's like no I like I don't I press on what what is he saying now he's not talking about let me tell you what he's not saying he's not talking about earning your relationship with Christ he's talking about moving forward and becoming more Christ like so don't get this mixed up this is not about working to earn god's grace not working to earn god's approval not working to know god remember he's speaking in the context of relational a relational aspect here verse 13 brothers i do not consider that i've made it my own but one thing i do forgetting what lies behind straining forward to what lies ahead there's some more of that language Forgetting what's behind, straining forward. I don't, like, you know, if you're into working out, you're kind of like, I dig this. I like, okay, press on, strain. Some of you are like, no, I'm allergic to sweat. I don't like any of it. Press, strain, what? Well, that's what it looks like. If you're going to grow, if you're going to begin to move, From just hearing to doing, there's going to take a little bit of pressing, a little bit of straining, a little bit of moving forward that you're going to have to apply. Verse 14, here's this language again. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now he's setting. Here's where our goal is. Here's where we're moving towards. There's this upward calling. Where? Found in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. So, so he's saying here, this straining, this moving forward, it's not rooted in trying to accomplish and gain something, trying to earn something from God. What he's saying is he's giving this aspect in this context of what it looks like to grow spiritually, to actually mature. He uses that language. He said, Look, I want you to get something here. You got to forget what's behind, move towards what's ahead. You got to press on. You got to strain. You got to work. Again, it sounds real good until you're in the middle of it and you got to start doing it. And he's saying, For you to do that, it shows a level of maturity. But make no mistake, if, if that's not the way you see it, don't worry, God will reveal it to you. God will show you. Why? Because He loves you. God's more committed to your growth and a deeper relationship with Him than you are. And so He'll, he'll continue to navigate that. Why? But, but this is so important. The words that He's saying here, and I, and I kind of put it in a graph for you that I'm going to show you in just a minute to help you understand and kind of picture this. But here's what I want you to get. When we think of spiritual growth, we naturally think of destination, location, arrival. But here's what I want you to get, and here's how I want you to see it. Spiritual growth is a journey that is more cyclical and seasonal than it is a destination or location. It's more cyclical and seasonal when it comes to growing spiritually. Now, just that thought and that concept right there, you already don't like it. You're pushing back on it. You want to know why? Because we live in a culture and a context that's check the box. I accomplish this. I set goals. I tackle goals. So you're telling me my growth is not just a one and done? That's exactly right. That's where it becomes such a challenge. I grew in this area. I'm done. Well, the minute you stop moving forward is the minute you start regressing. So let me give you a picture of what this looks like. The cycle of growth. What does this look like in our life? Well, it starts with a revelation. God begins to reveal something to you. Perhaps the Holy Spirit convicts you about a way in which you respond, react, how you engage and interact with your spouse or with your children or with your, your coworkers or with your employees or whoever it may be. There's a revelation. Perhaps there's something internally. There's anger, there's frustration, there's bitterness, there's a lack of patience, there's a lack of the fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you. Now that's the genesis of it all, but here's the question, what are we going to do about it? So the next step in this cycle is the application. Okay, I'm going to begin to apply these things to my life. I'm going to begin to work on this area of my life. I'm going to begin to read scripture about this. I'm going to begin to seek wisdom about this. I'm going to begin to maybe get help or maybe even professional help or professional counseling about this particular area of my life. Now, this is hard right here because there's times where maybe you fail. You make a little progress and you step back and and you get discouraged. That's what the enemy wants you to do. And so it's in this application phase that oftentimes we throw in the towel because it doesn't happen quite as fast as we want. We don't get over the hurdle quite as fast as we want. But if we hold on, here's the next phase. It's transformation. This is where God begins to show up. This is where you begin to see and others begin to see the transformation that God is doing from the inside out in your life. And it plays out in the fruit of your life. What does Jesus say? You will know a tree by what? It's fruit. It begins to happen. But, but then the next two steps in this cycle are our favorite. They're ones that, that we really, really, really like. Are, are you ready for them? You're going to really like these. I mean, you get ready, write these down because you're ready for this one. The next step is testing. Whew, back to press, strain, forward, less of that, sweating, I don't like it. No, outdoorsy, bugs, I don't like it. I don't. The testing. You see, this is when it becomes hard because you're going, well, I forgave that person, but they didn't accept my forgiveness. I, I, I had that tough conversation, but nothing has changed yet. Or maybe nothing ever changes. I I did that thing and I made that, I I apologize to my spouse for the things that I said and did, but but they're still uh, harboring bitterness or unforgiveness towards me. Well, you're in this season of testing and yet it's here that as you navigate that testing, God's still growing and he's still stretching and he's still developing, which then leads us in to the next step in this cycle, the waiting, the waiting. Wow, testing and waiting. I feel real encouraged, Pastor Chris. I'm ready to grow. (laughs) Waiting. What am I waiting for? Here's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for a couple of things. One, you're waiting for the development of what God's working in you. Can I tell you something? I don't ever go plant an apple seed and expect there to be apples the very next day. So you're waiting on the Lord to grow and develop and waiting on that fruit. Can I tell you what else you're waiting for? You're waiting for the next revelation because this is a cycle. It starts over. God begins to reveal something else to you in your life. He begins to show and highlight things. And, and make no mistake, the revelation is not always like a checklist of God downloading all the bad things about you to you. This is about areas where he may want you to grow, where he wants to expand your vision, where he wants to give you an idea of how to grow in, in the way you parent or the way that you interact with your spouse or the uh, maybe a God vision about a, a business idea or, or a way in which you can serve and love on other people. But the question is, it's in the waiting, in the stillness, in the silent when you feel like, God, what am I doing? My Bible says those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So, what happens is waiting is not inactivity. I'm still moving forward. I'm still going in this cycle, but we don't like this right here. We don't want growth to look like this. We want growth to look like this uh, uh, ever-ascending movement upward where we're just checking boxes and we're climbing the ladder and we're just champion, top of the mountain. We're the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are cheering us on. That's not what it looks like. It looks like this. But can I tell you, anything you take that you move in a circular motion... The more you do it, the more revolutions it has, the faster it gets, the more momentum it has, and the more it begins to propel forward. It's what happens with your vehicle and the wheels that are going in a circle. It's what happens when you look at jet propulsion and the fan that blows to pick up speed and shoots air at a high rate of speed. When they flood it with fuel and it creates a burn that then projects a jet forward. You see, we don't like the circular motion because in our culture, you're a dog chasing your tail. You're going around the mountain over and over and over again. Now, make no mistake, there are things that God's wanting to teach you that you can just keep going through over and over, and it can be painful, but the goal is this. Somewhere along the line, you probably actually didn't go round and round. You probably stopped somewhere between the application and transformation page or or, uh, spot because you got discouraged. My encouragement to you is keep moving forward. You see, I want to share something with you and then make it very practical for you. I, I saw a story this past week. And, and make no mistake. Can I tell you this right here? We all experience this. Even as I was preparing for you and praying for you, I'm remind, God's revealing things to me. He's showing things to me. Here's where and how I need to grow. Here's what I can do. Here's how I can change. The I experience testing, I experience waiting. God, what are you up to? What are you doing? But it's all part of the process of growing me and helping me grow in my spiritual growth and spiritual development. God's depositing things in me and I begin to see those things come to pass. So we all have stuff. We all have it. And I was reminded of a story this past week of Emily who shared this thought. And and I love how it starts because I felt like when I read this, it captured this process. And I'm going to read for you just what, what Emily shared. And, and I love how this starts out. She says, I don't think I've ever been this hungry for God in my life more than I am now. Okay, that's how it starts. Never been more hungry for God. That sounds exciting, right? Passion. You're ready. Let's go. Now, here's what she says. I've never been more hungry for God in my life more than, that, more than I am now in this difficult season of my life. This season of grief, loss, pain, and anger. I've blamed God, been angry at God. I've drawn away from Him since losing my grandma. And now seeing my mom with cancer, I felt like I needed someone to blame. So I blamed Him. I've yelled at God, and sadly, I lost my faith for a short while. And losing my faith just turned me into an angry, hateful person that has affected my kids, my marriage, and people around me. But instead of being angry... I'm at peace. I know this season is happening for a reason. A reason I don't understand yet, but I'm trusting God because I have nothing left. He's in control. Thank you, Lord, for reassuring me that I'll be okay and you'll never leave me. Thank you for reminding me while I was angry with you, you never left me. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Can I tell you, you hear all those things and you go, "That, that doesn't sound... Like, a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, that's some difficult things. Yet her, pers- her situation didn't change. What changed? Her perspective. Her perspective changed. And in the middle of that, what happened? She's growing. I got a revelation. I'm angry. I want to grow in this. And, and I've tried, but even along the way, I've lost some faith. And, I, and, and I'm a little frustrated. And, but you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm starting to see change, God. But, but yet, even in that, there's testing, and, and now my, can't, my mom has cancer, and I'm waiting on you, and, and I don't know what's going to happen with my mom, and we stand with Emily and her mom, and we're praying with them, and some days there's good days, some days there's bad days, but can I tell you something? All along the way, in the middle of all that, can I tell you what Emily's doing? She's growing spiritually. Not because things are going great and going her way, but because she's embracing what it looks like To embrace that process and that cycle of growth. So how do I do that? What does that look like? How can I engage in my spiritual growth? Well, I'm going to give you three simple things and then pray for you. First is this. Engage in intentionally knowing God. If you want to engage in your spiritual growth, intentionally set out to know Him at a greater level. Paul said that in Philippians 3.10. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection. What does that word know mean? Well, in the Greek, that word is gnosko, which actually means to experience. So this is not an ascension to more information. This is not an aggregate accumulation of all the knowledge and Bible knowledge. And so for those of you that are young Christians, maybe you just started serving the Lord. Maybe you're going, I don't really know how to read this Bible. I don't even understand what it says half the time. Good. That's okay. Just keep taking a step in learning because all of that, the knowledge of all those things is not actual knowledge in and of itself. You can have all the information. The question is, did you have an experience with God where he transforms your life? That's what it comes down to, and so you can have that. You can grow in that way, and you can experience that. And why is that so important, knowing Christ in that way? Here's why. What did Paul say in verse 12? He said, I press on that I may make it my own. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus through your spouse or through your parents. you got to own it. you got to own it. And so what does that look like? How do I do that? How do I develop it? Well, there's some simple practical things. Many of you, which I'll share with you, that aren't earth-shattering and probably anything you haven't heard before. But can I tell you, you just may not be doing them. And that's the difference. That's the the challenge. What does it look like to know God? Well, you can develop that and intentionally setting aside time to read His Word, to pray. Set aside time to, to, to worship privately, personally, just you and the Lord, maybe on your drive to, to work or at your home in your favorite little spot at the house or it's worshiping corporately on a weekend together in an environment like this. It's being connected with other people, being a part of a small group, being relationally connected. Those are all ways that you can experience God. But guess what you got to do? You have to intentionally set out to do it. Not just hear about it. You're like, well, Pastor Chris, none of that's earth-shattering, nothing new to me, okay? Because there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, I'm not, there's not a new revelation I get. The question is, if you feel the gap, it may be because you're hearing it and not doing it. And that's why you experience that gap. That's not me being harsh. That's not me, uh, you know, just going, hey, you need to get involved. No, it's it is what it is. We like the idea of something, right up until we got to do it. So we have to intentionally set out to know God in a greater level. And when we do, it begins to develop spiritual growth. Here's the second way you can engage. Engage in building faithfulness. Engage in building faithfulness. Paul goes on in verse 13 and 14. What did he say? He says, I forget what's behind. I strain towards what's ahead. Forgetting doesn't mean he's forgetting the things of the past as though he had no recollection of them. He's forgetting, meaning I'm not living in the past, good or bad. I'm not living off the past. I'm not living off the good things or the bad things of the past. I'm moving forward, and I'm going to pursue a relationship with God. What I love about Paul is when he wrote these words, they say he had been serving the Lord for about 25 years up to this point. And yet at this point, having served the Lord for 25 years, he's still going, I passionately want to know Christ at a deeper level. Do you have that same level of passion? Do you have that same level of desire? Well, if you do, then you're gonna spiritually grow because you're engaging with faithfulness. And I love what faithfulness is. When I look at the faithfulness of God, I look back at His goodness and I push forward to what's ahead. When, When we do that, here's what's happening. You know, I was, this past weekend, I wasn't here, I was officiating uh, Alex and Haley's wedding. Alex is our our youth director, and and it was an amazing time, and I share this often when I officiate a wedding. I talk about the significance and power of marriage, and when it's centered around Christ. You see, Jesus, the first miracle Jesus performed was at a wedding, and he turned water into wine. And you may be thinking, I like that, Can can we do a little bit more of that? That I like, outdoorsy I don't like, you know. Workout, I don't like. Water into wine, I like. Well, well, let me put it into context, though. What I love about that miracle is this. Jesus took something common and ordinary and made it extraordinary. And when he's the center of a relationship, the center of a marriage... That's what he does. He takes something that the world calls ordinary, take it or leave it. I jump into this relationship, then I jump out of it. I jump into this marriage, and I jump out of it. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking to those that, you know, you had a difficult season. We've all experienced things, and I know there are those that are in a season in between marriages, or maybe you're married again, you find yourself single again. So that's not condemnation on where you're at. That's not condemnation on experiences you've had. But we live in a culture that minimizes the significance and power. Power of marriage and what it represents but when Jesus is a sinner he will take something ordinary and he'll make it extraordinary that's what faithfulness does when we build towards faithfulness I love it Joel was up here that's who was leading us this morning Katie was on some vocal rest as she was strengthening her voice and grateful that Joel came from our Keller campus to help and I've known Joel for, for some time And I always love when I get to hear people speak or hear them lead in in an environment and they share something. He's singing about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Can I tell you something? I know Joel's story. So when he's singing that, that's not just coming from a standpoint of knowledge about lyrics. That's coming from a deep place of going, I've experienced that in my life. And all of a sudden, it produces something completely different. So if I'm going to engage in spiritual growth, it's because I'm going to engage in building faithfulness. I'm trusting in God. I'm taking steps forward. I'm taking my everyday, ordinary life, and I'm allowing God to work through it. And it builds faithfulness. And here's the last thing. The third thing is this. Engage with the process. Engage with the process. Again, culture is so focused on results, we forget that it's about the process. It's a process of growth. Go back to that, that cycle of growth. We go back to this image. And, and I want you to see it because, again, we don't, we don't fully embrace this. We're, we're not a fan of a cycle. We want to check a box and move forward. We want to keep seeing things grow. And, and we want to accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. But can I tell you, if you're going to grow spiritually... It's going to take you embracing this process. That's what Paul said in verse 15. What did he say? He said, those of us should be pursuing maturity in this way. Well, what way is he talking about? Pressing on towards a goal. Straining forward towards what's ahead. Forgetting what's behind. Straining forward. And he said, look, for those of you that don't see it that way, don't worry. God will reveal it to you. God will reveal it to you. What I love about this is no matter where you're at, no matter the season you're in, we can all spiritually grow. Where are you in this cycle? Maybe, maybe you're right here at application. You've been trying, and sometimes you have good days and bad days. Hold on. There's transformation coming. Maybe you you've you've embraced those things and God's changing you from the inside out, but. But you're in a season of testing and waiting and you're like, God, I'm just waiting for my circumstances to change. But here's the great thing, your circumstances may not change, but what is changing is you in the middle of your circumstance. That's far more significant than your circumstance changing.